Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jesse Fry. Jesse is a client experience or CX speaker and coach who helps small professional service-based business owners take their client experience to the next level by understanding how to engage, impact, and retain customers. Jesse facilitates powerful hands-on workshops that help business owners and their teams identify their unique customer journey and how to identify critical gaps in their existing client experience, which is so huge. Thanks so much for being here today, Jesse. Diane, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I think this is a critically important um, topic that is not talked about enough these days. So I know it it is definitely not a topic we talk about enough. So I can't wait to talk talk more about it. (laughs) Excellent. So let's just start with a with a you know foundation. What exactly is client experience? Well, I try to make it super simple for people. So the client experience, whether you deliver a product, a physical tangible product or a service, the client experience starts from the moment that a prospective client becomes aware of your brand or your product or your service all the way until well after you have serviced them or well after they purchased the product. So our goal is ultimately to reduce friction and create an experience that those customers continue to provide value or, you know, continue to provide referrals and Google reviews and all the things that we need to keep our business running. Uh, we help facilitate that and, and basically uncover where companies can improve. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that. When, when you talk about critical gaps, like, like what, what, what do you, what have you seen? What kinds of things are companies not doing that or are doing incorrectly? Yeah, I think it really depends on the industry. So I'll I'll give you some examples. Um, I work a lot with law firms, for example. And many of these law firm owners, they started their businesses because they were tired of working as an attorney within a bigger law firm. So they go off and they start their own firm. They go out and they find clients and they deliver legal services. The problem that they don't really look at is what? how does the client experience everything from learning about whether or not you're the right attorney for them all the way down to the intake process uh, or you know what we call the sales process but in their space they call an intake process um, all the way down to how the you know how you communicate with them every single day and well you know even once their case or their matter is closed so what do we find we find that there's oftentimes communication gaps clients have to pull Customers have to pull information from you to find out, you know, where is the status of our project? Um, The the biggest areas that we uncover a lot actually involve with marketing. And that's the way that people come through the top of funnel. 
And when they first come in top of funnel, many times, you know, a lot of people that start their business, they don't really think of the client experience. The, the customer gets confused. They get decision fatigue and they don't really know like, okay, is this the right person for me? And then what happens is you leave a lot of business on the table. So we look at conversions. We look at the sales process. We look at the delivery of the product or the service. We focus primarily on service-based businesses. And then what we also do is look at, you know, what happens after? How do you get referral business? How do you get people to give you a good Facebook review or Google review? And oftentimes people aren't looking looking at their businesses from that perspective. They just know they're doing marketing, they're doing sales, they're delivering the product, and they're asking people to give them a review on Google. But they're not really looking at what that experience looks like from end to end. Okay. So... I I love this because I think so many people um, service well in any sort of business really, but um, don't realize all of the touch points that someone has with their company. You know, before they ever really engage with a human, and then once they engage with humans, and then they go through. You know, if they become a customer, you know, they go through the whole client experience so they, they don't even like they they don't put themselves in their customer's shoes to see boy what is that experience right that's a, that's exactly it I'll, I'll give you a good example and this is a real a real example that right. happened literally today so i'm built i'm i took the week off so you know spring break i can build a, a fence in my backyard so I ordered with a local building supply company um, to get all the materials. And they said, okay, it's going to be delivered today. I did everything online. That experience was great. The driver gets here and I look at the truck and I'm like, they forgot stuff. They forgot the concrete, right? Well, you can't build a fence without concrete. So the driver did an amazing job and knew his role in the client experience. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. But then I called the the actual facility and said, hey, you forgot my concrete. And the lady is like, well, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. And let me figure it out and call you back. She called me back and she said, well, we can get it delivered later this week. I said, well, you said it was going to be delivered today. So, you know, that creates friction and I'm likely will never use this mm. provider ever again to buy building supplies if I want to, you know, put an addition or something else on my home. So it's important for your employees to understand their role in the customer experience from how do we answer the phones to how do we how do we respond in situations when a product or service is not fully delivered? How do we you know, make sure that we do good for the, you know, the customer. Um, and I will probably give them a decent review because I'm not the kind of person to give one star reviews simply because they forgot something. But uh, a lot of people would give them a negative review yeah. simply because they forgot a product or service. So it's really important to have processes and systems in place to handle difficult situations, handle situations when they don't go the way they are. And your employees need to know their role in that process. Boy, I know. I, I think that employee um, role part is, is really critical. And a lot of times I think that the leadership in companies doesn't really realize how critical that is and how much authority, for lack of a better word, they should be giving their employees to problem solve in the moment. Mm-hmm. 
do you find, um, I mean, well, how do I want to ask this question? Let's talk about how the employee experience impacts the client experience. Like, like what should companies do to, are there certain things companies should be doing to make sure that their employees have that process or system or, you know, whatever it is to be able to deal with these situations as they come up? Yeah, I think there's two sides of the coin, Diane, to be honest. There's the companies that have pre-existing processes and systems in place throughout their entire business, right? They they may have systemized something. Um, it, It may be very basic checklist or something. And then there are those businesses that have they haven't built any of this. Um, so you kind of have to provide a couple of different things for your employees. And I'm glad that you brought up an employee experience because I think CX and EX go hand in hand, right? If you have a terrible employee experience, the customer experience is going to be impacted by that. So that's an, an understanding that everybody needs to be aware of. But it comes down to a couple of things. First thing is training. Your employees need to be trained on every on every system or process uh, that is related to their role in the organization. And the second part of that is your employees need to understand their role in the organization and their role in how you service clients and deliver products and services to those customers. And part of that comes into play as everybody should have clear accountabilities. They need to know what they're accountable for. They need to know what their level of autonomy is. How, like you brought up a great point. You know, do employees know how to like what is the level of authority? Like, can I give somebody a 10% discount because we screwed up? Right. Um, can I, you know, what is the threshold that I the autonomy I have to make decisions on behalf of the customer as well as on behalf of the business? Um, so there, there's a little bit of that. Can we deviate from our process? Right. So you have to give your team members the ability. The training, the knowledge, and the accountability and the and the roles and responsibilities need to be very clear so that when an employee comes in and they start doing their job, they know what the fle- how flexible things can be so that things aren't rigid. When things are rigid, I think that's where we see the most friction in the customer experience. Yeah, yeah I, I could see that. I mean, it's not realistic to have things that that rigid life just isn't like that right the jim stroud podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives brain-to-brain communication robot bosses microchip implants for workers and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. So, boy, you know, you were talking about this, and and I was thinking about um, a company that I worked for 
boy, several years ago, I mean, uh, before I started this business. And the employees had the authority to, if a, if a client called and said, we sold uh, toner cartridges for printers. Mm-hmm. And if a client called and said, you know, I'm out of toner, the, the, whoever answered the phone had the authority to find someone who could drive the toner out to them, even mm. if it was the person who answered the phone. So the the understanding was we take care of the client. And if that right. means we leave, then okay. Or we find someone who is available, who can go and we get that problem solved. Right. And right. I mean, that's, that's seems to be like an example of what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. I I think there needs to be, you know, there needs to be policies and procedures, but I think when we have too many policies and procedures, it it creates challenges for people. But I think to your point is everybody in your organization knew that if a client called and said, we're out of toner and I have to print a 5,000 page report or whatever they were printing back then, um, people don't report print anything very much anymore. But, um, but in that time, everybody was empowered to make it happen, to get it done. And I think sometimes people, they don't make decisions because they're afraid, right? They're like, well, if I do that, I might get in trouble. Right. Um, So I think there's this trauma that people carry from job to job when they had that bad boss when they were like 25 years old. Now they're 45 years old, but they've never like resolved this trauma of, of being treated poorly in the workplace. Which is again, I think, is why employee experience goes. Yeah, it's so important because if your customer service team, your sales team, your you know, again, I I deal with a lot with attorneys, your paralegals, your associate attorneys, if they aren't empowered and they're not happy in the role that they're doing, and they don't wake up every morning looking forward to servicing the customers that they have, the customer experience is going to be impacted negatively, and your Google reviews are going to be one stars, two stars. Things aren't going to get delivered on time. Um, the quality of the product is going to go down. So you asked a question early on is like, what are the common things? The common things are exactly those, like un- unmet expectations, missed deadlines, um, you know, people not returning customer phone calls. Um, and then the client calls in consistently or they email all the time. And then people get stuck on the phone or an email when they should be actually doing the work. So there are so many things that if you don't map out your process, understand where the friction points are, develop solutions to correct that, uh, you'll ultimately have an experience that your customers aren't going to enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And I know this, I mean, I sort of feel like this should be obvious, but I want to ask the question anyway. Yeah. Will, Will you tell the listeners about how focusing on client experience impacts revenue? Oh boy, yes. <laughs> it's such an obvious question, Diane. Um, it, it comes down to a simple thing. So, you know, let, let's take, um, uh, again, I'll use a, a, a law firm because most people can understand they've either used a law firm, know somebody that's a lawyer, or has seen a television show about lawyers. Um, so we understand what that looks like. If the, the legal process from the time that you become aware of an attorney, let's say you're going to get divorced and you go online, you Google search, you look for a divorce attorney in your market and 
uh, you have a list of 300 possible divorce attorneys and you start learning about them. Uh, you go to websites, you start you know, reading Google reviews, Facebook reviews, checking the attorneys out to try to see what their credibility is. You finally narrow it down and then you go through a sales process. You talk to the attorney and uh, then at that point you're onboarded and they start doing the legal work. And then eventually you know, your divorce is filed or you have to go to court depending on your circumstances. If at some point during that process, uh, let's say the 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 uh, attorney during the consultation tells tells you it's going to take roughly ninety days for things from start to finish, and they don't give you clear milestones, timelines, and don't set your expectations. Thirty days into it, you're going to be asking questions, right? Because they didn't set expectations. Yeah. Sixty days into it, they're going to be one. You're going to be wondering whether or not they're even doing work because nobody's called you. So this goes back to communication. So setting expectations, having clear, um, clear timelines, and making sure communication is done well. You don't have the technology in place, so people are emailing. You're emailing them constantly, or you're calling in the office. You get the attorney's voicemail because they have 300 voicemails in their in their inbox, right? Yeah. When it comes, even if your divorce is finalized and this attorney finally does the job that you paid them, and you're paying them a lot of money, by the way. If at the end of this process, you're not happy, you're going to go online, you're going to write a negative Google review, and you're going to tell them all about how terrible your experience is. And you're going to tell other people when a friend of yours says, hey, I'm thinking about getting divorced, or I'm having a family issue, and I need an attorney, you're going to say, well, don't go to that person. Right. So you're now losing opportunity, future opportunity. Uh, you're losing because you have a negative, uh, you know, Google review. Uh, you're getting, you know, people that would go and look at Google reviews and look at all the five star review attorneys. They're going to skip over your one star review. So it's really important for you to have a clear process, map out all the touch points with the client and make sure you have, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be very simple processes. But just having a clear picture of what that experience looks like and what your customers on average expect from you, there's going to be the occasional person that's different. But it it will impact your revenue so much that you won't even notice at first. But over time, your company is not going to grow at the rate that it has the potential to if you didn't, you know, if you if you actually spent the time to map out your customer experience, understand by interviewing past clients where they felt things could have been better, what, you know, looking at your communication processes. Um, and then on the front side, if your website is terrible, and because that's part of the customer experience, if your website is terrible and it doesn't have good messaging, I saw Diane, one of your podcasts on storytelling, um, or at least I listened to it, but yeah. having a good way of telling stories on your website, um, making it very clear so you don't create decision fatigue for your clients where you have 13 practice areas. Um, having a website that's very specific, the messaging's clear, you have ways to convert people, your sales process is wonderful, and then the way you deliver your communication and everything is wonderful. You're going to see front side, top, you know, top of the line revenue that comes in the door, more sales, and you're going to have more opportunities created because your customers are going to refer you as, as raving fans. I, I got to tell you, I mean, this so resonates. I um, was contacted by a company about you know them providing me with a service, and I googled them, and um, that their 
were, you know, like reviews at the Better Business Bureau and I read them and I chose not to work with that company. Because, because of the negative I, reviews? Pardon me? Because of the negative reviews? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is 95%, I think is the number. It's either 90 or 95, if I recall correctly. Nine, let's just call it 95 for the sake of this conversation. 95% of people when they're buying a product or service, they're going to re- basically do search online and they're going to look at Google reviews before they even start the process. They're not, they're going to look at Google reviews before they even make a phone call to you. So if you're a fence builder, you're an accountant, you're a bookkeeper, you're an IT service provider. If you don't have Google reviews, you're missing an opportunity. So that's part of the customer experience process is make sure Google reviews are there so people can actually see what other people have to say about doing work with you. Um, And then from that point, you also need to make sure that you can fulfill in a way where your clients are happy. But you're, you're spot on is you know, people, if I see negative reviews, I don't even think, I don't even look at that company. And unfortunately, if you don't have any reviews, that's almost as bad as having negative reviews. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And it wasn't like one or two, if there had been good and bad, it would have been a different story, but there were so many bad and it was the same thing. It was just a repeat of the same experience. It's like, okay, no. This is right. not an experience I want. Where the have. same problem was was over and over again. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, okay. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. I know. I did. I did explain that that was the reason why I was not going to entertain a conversation with them. So at least they know. Yeah, that's good, uh, and that's so, rare. That's rare of yes. getting feedback like that, right? Yeah, I know because people don't do it. But I thought, no, nah, uh-uh, you're gonna anyway. Maybe it'll help. I don't know. Right. Um. Okay. What are the six pillars of improving the client journey? Great. I know there's six of them, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, <laughs> the, the first one that I always like to talk about, and, and you know, I've noticed a good portion of your podcast are about marketing. So personalization is the first pillar and using individualized attention to drive the emotional connection with your customers. So that's everything from creating personalized email campaigns at the very start, uh, all the way down to, you know, when you go through the sales process, uh, a lot of times people just buy with that transaction and never really go through a sales process per se. Um, but even your onboarding, like personalize that experience, create a personal video. And what's amazing is like, we have all these technologies now where you can actually like AI video tools where you can literally create one video and the AI tool will actually change the hello, my name to hello, Diane, right? Um, so it's it could remarkable. be the same video that you, yeah, it's remarkable where we're at with technology. So you can scale personalization far easier now than you ever have in history. So personalizing that experience is really important. Sending thank you gifts. Like if you're in a professional services-based business, after somebody spends seven hundred to a thousand dollars on accounting services, send something small to them, telling them thank you. Even a handwritten note. I've had yeah. you know people send me handwritten notes before when I've you know paid for a product or service, and it means so much. And you're like, wow, I'm going to do business with this person again. Um, the next one is resolutions. We need to learn how to turn a poor experience into a great one. 
Um, So what happens when you get that negative review? The thing I remember very early on in my career when I think Yelp first came out, not it came out well after my uh, career started, but when Yelp came out and I used to read negative reviews for restaurants, I used to love to see when the, you know, the proprietor, the business owner, the restaurateur, whatever they were responding to that yeah. negative review and saying, I'm really sorry that you feel this way. We would be happy to, you know, correct this. Uh, please come back, you know, let us know, come to me directly and I will make sure that you have a better experience this time around. Um, that is important to turn that poor experience into a great one. Um, the next one is trust. And you have to build trust with your customers. But it starts with building trust with your employees first. Because in order for your employees to build trust with your customers, your employees have to trust, you know, you know trust the company that they work for. They have to trust the process. They have to believe in the product. If your product or service is crappy, well, your employees aren't going to believe in it. And it's going to be a lot harder for them to convince your prospective customers that that experience is going to be a positive one. So really act with an you know integrity and really build trust over time and find ways to do it in small little incremental ways. The next is connection. Understanding the customer's unique circumstances will really drive rapport with the business. And I'm not just talking about a, le- a low level of rapport. If you create a positive connection with your employees, you're going to build a deep relationship with your customers, where they're going to continue to come back year after year, week after week. You know, if you have a massage therapy or you, you know, you're a chiropractor, you're a doctor or a dentist, you have that kind of business, building those deep relationships with people and making them feel more than just a transaction is really important. So those deep connections are really important. Um, Expectations. I think we talked a little bit about this early on is really managing expectations and meeting and exceeding your customers' expectations. It's important to establish that as an important pillar in your business. And then the last one is finding ways to minimize the customer's efforts. There's actually, everybody's familiar with the net promoter score, which is a Uh score to indicate whether or not people will recommend you. There's actually a customer effort score um, that you can actually uh, test people or get feedback on with your customers. If something requires a lot of effort to get, people are less likely to actually do it again. So it's finding ways to minimize and reduce friction and creating a frictionless process for your customers. So um, ultimately, that's the six pillars that I work off of. There are obviously in customer experience a lot of other different kind of pillars, but those are the ones that I found uh, really important when working with a variety of professional service-based businesses. I love those. And I think those apply to all sorts of businesses. I mean, everything that you touched on makes so much sense and is so critical to just everybody's success. Right, right. Wow. It, it is really great. Jesse, I, I really appreciate this information. I, as we said at the beginning of this, and we're going to say again, this is critically important and people really owe it to their business to pay attention and take some time and really not only look at their the, the journey from their customer's point of view, but from their employee's point of view too. And and button it up, for sure, for sure. And it doesn't. And it doesn't take much for people to do this. So I, there's essentially two things that every business could do. That you don't need a coach. You don't need a consultant. As much as you know, we love helping people. You can start by one creating a customer uh, profile. 
right? A lot of people, they don't have buyer personas, customer profiles, even with their marketing, which they should. But creating a customer persona and understanding what people, what your customers love and what they don't enjoy, where they actually go and spend their time, how they actually, who they associate with. And I'm not talking about the individual person, but you can essentially start by creating that customer persona. And then the next simple step, and I think this is the, it's, it can actually be a lot of fun. Get a stack of sticky notes, like the little pink and yellow ones with different colors and greens. And you and your team sit down on a glass window or on a wall in your office, wherever you're at. If you work from home, there's software that you can do this, but I think in person, it makes a big difference. And you literally write out all the things that you do and, and all the ways that you connect with your customers from the very beginning all the way down to the end. And you write those in the stages. So you can kind of write them down on sticky notes and put them on the wall first. Then you can start organizing them into kind of like, you know, think of them as columns. And then once you have that, you can then implement that and put it down into a document. And that is essentially your customer's journey. Now, there's a lot of other more advanced ways of doing it. There's software that can actually help you, but that is the simplest it's an enjoyable exercise for your team members. You get together over lunch and you do that. And uh, it's a very simple process to really map out your customer experience. I love that. I think that's terrific. That was so wonderful. Thank you. Jesse, thank you so much for, for being here and spending this time with me. Will you let the listeners know how they can find you? Yeah, the fastest way to get a hold of me is through LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm on there. Uh, just look up Jesse Fry, F R Y E, or you can visit coach.jessejfry, J E S S E, middle initial J F R Y E dot com. Uh, and that has all my information on there. You can learn more about me and my background. Uh, and uh, that's really the best way. Excellent. Thank you. I'll make sure that is in the show notes. Uh, So again, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Welcome to Don't Retire Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.